Welcome back to our series, that part, Intimacy NMS. This is layer five. And today we are joined by Amir Ali. Amir and I have known each other for about 12 years. He's my ex-boyfriend. Uh, we were together for about five years, but he still remains a very important person to me and a very important part of my life. Just a little bit about Amir. Um, he's an educator, a theater professional, poet, and spoken word artist. Yes, this is a very heavy episode, and we hope you all enjoy. Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Severe, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.severe, and you can also find him on YouTube. Welcome to the podcast, Amir. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and um, so before we start the discussion with self-love and, and about this this whole topic, we know that before you can nurture a meaningful, intimate relationship with another, your relationship must begin with yourself. So yeah, before we dive in even further into the conversation, I would like to read a part of this meme. And I think that we all have this, um, the self-love meme and I just want to yes. kind of bring it up. Um, I'll bring up just a few parts to it. Um, and it's titled self-love be brave enough to take off the masks you wear out there and get to know who you are underneath. Be brave enough to say, you know what? All of it, all of this is who I am but I'm doing my best with what I've got. So before wow. Amir shares, Dana, let me ask you, when you read this and or when you hear it, do you relate the meme and those words to your dis full disclosure or maybe not disclosing your MS to Amir? Yes. Uh, I think what sticks out to me as I read it is just the first sentence, be brave enough to take off the masks you wear. Um, and I wasn't. And it's, you know, at, you know, I've had this disease, what, 16 years now. Um, and I just learned that bravery, like within the past two years. So, um, yeah, I think about that. And it makes me so sad because there's so many yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to hijack this. This is about Amir's story. But yeah, yeah. but it makes me sad um, that I wasn't brave enough to do that. So Amir, could you share your thoughts on Dana? Would you mind sharing her, not fully discussing her MS diagnosis um, with you? And also, I want to just add another question. Like, would you have looked at her differently? Um. I definitely would not have looked at her differently in any way that was negative. I am always conscious about being a real friend. And when I say real, to me, that relates to the real parts of life. So as in a relationship, not that they're fake parts, but it's kind of like the surface or superficial parts of a relationship when it's just the... Uh, the physical attraction and like the social interaction, but not getting down to maybe like some underlying medical condition or some type of mental or, or spiritual issue that you have. It's kind of like 
on a dating profile where people put all the best pictures out there and tell you all the good stuff. And now, and not that they would on there, but not being brave enough to tell you the truth. I'm only showing you like the good pictures. I'm not going to show you a picture when I don't have a haircut. I'm going to show you the picture when my hair is cut fresh. And again, being brave enough to say, this is who I am. Because again, like I like being challenged like that in, in friendships. I'm not the dude that's just going to show up when it's time to go out to eat or it's time to go out to some type of party or interaction. But I'm looking for the opportunity to show up when when times get tough mm-hmm. um, because it's not just all about like good times. And I feel. I feel like not even a feeling she didn't give me the opportunity to show up and support her. Because she wasn't honest with me about it. And the irony in it was that she told me part of it. But she, just like that meme, she wasn't brave enough to take off the whole mask. So she told me part of it. And again, it's just like how I just keep seeing it in my head is how I'm explaining it. It's like somebody showing you a picture of them when, you know, it's a good hair day. They don't necessarily want to show you the picture when it's a bad hair day. And so she didn't want to show me the full picture and there were lots of opportunities where she could have because I remember first noticing that sometimes when she would walk that she would seem a little off balance sometimes and stagger and I would say hey you know like I noticed like it would seem like you were moving a little too quick like you were going to lose your step and the first thing that she, first time that she was honest enough she said it was something with her vision that affected her walking. And um, I believe the word she used was optic neuritis was something Mm -hmm. that she was dealing with. And after that, we talked about it once and she told me that she was going to have to have an infusion and see a specialist. And so I would go to these appointments with her and sit with her through the infusion and just hear some of the stuff that the doctor said, but again, never knowing the the full diagnosis was MS and her never saying, even in, in that moment, seeing that I wasn't judging her and that I was supportive, still not being brave enough to say, hey, this is what it really is. You know, now that I got you here or now that we've been in this relationship for years or I've seen that you've been supportive or not judgmental or not looking at me like I'm disabled or not wanting someone else, um, but really being here, I would have, I would would have hoped that it it could have got to that point, but I didn't find out until um, our relationship had ended, and I found out that you know she was going through um, some battles, and one day um, she was brave enough to just say, "Hey, this is what's going on with me." And I was shocked when I found out that she had knew all the time that we were together. So, um, (sighs) yeah. How did that, wow, how did that impact you? Mm. Again, the the thought to me was a couple different things. One of the main one was, that she didn't give me enough information to really be supportive to her because having knowing that or or thinking that it was just something with optic neuritis and not having any understanding of what that was and looking back now I should have just done my own research maybe just on what she said And I could have challenged her and not in the sense of saying, well, that's not what it is, but saying, hey, I've read up on it and maybe you can explain more. And maybe with that, that could would have brought about something. But it made me think that there was something, something or things that we could have done to help her. I don't know if it was diet if it was seeing another specialist, if whatever it was, but I wasn't equipped to really, I'll give you an example. We were friends with this guy 
and we didn't know that he was diabetic. And we went on a trip to Atlanta and he had a diabetic seizure. And we've been friends with this dude for over 17 years. And to see him season and to even after it was over with to think that he could have died. And we've been hanging out and going places and we were so mad and hurt because we thought, how could we really be friends? And like, you my boy, like we love you. And you didn't tell us what to do to save your life in case that it came down to it. And that's that was the slap mm-hmm. in the face. It was like, yo, you didn't equip me to help take care of you in the situation because I didn't even know. Um, so when I when I when I finally found out, it made me feel like, again, that to her, our relationship was a little more fluff or surface than I thought it was, because I thought no. that she should have trusted me enough to tell me the truth about what was going on with her, instead of just trying to paint this, you know picture that it was it was okay and it was and not that it was it was bad or not okay in that kind of way but again saying hey this is what it really is and I want you to know this about me um and because you know what you do for like and you've had it where people say hey I've got this or I'm dealing with that and sometimes you will just look up remedies on your own or you'll study stuff because these are people you love and you want to be helpful or you try to be under like a perfect example. Me thinking optic neuritis, I'm thinking this is right. something with her vision. So I was not sensitive mm-hmm. enough to the fact that her legs get stiff sometimes and that would have played a part in where we went. I wouldn't choose a place that has a lot of stairs because I know that she deals with something with her legs and her legs get stiff. But she didn't tell me that or I wouldn't say, hey, let's go for a walk and I know that she's been dealing with stiffness in her legs. So it put a her and me in a bad situation because it didn't allow me to be as sensitive or as um what's the word I'm looking for as conscious as I should have been about her on a daily basis because she was she was she had a mask on and she was pushing through with a smile on her face and, and instead of telling me like hey you know I'm having one of those days when my legs are kind of stiff and I can't really walk that fast and I would notice it because we would be doing stuff. I, I can particularly remember one time we were in Minnesota and we were going to this club and it was an upstairs club and how slow she was moving when we walked from the hotel to the club and then going up the stairs. And and she'll remember this because this guy came and he went <laughs> running past her to get up the stairs because she was moving so slow and he bumped her. And as soon as he bumped her, I took off running at the top of the stairs and I met him before he got there before he could get to the stairs and told him, Hey man, you need to go back and apologize to her. You just bumped my lady while she was coming to the stairs. And it was a very funny story because he thought he was, uh, he thought he was the back. He was like, do you know who I am? He was like, I'll make sure you don't get in this club. We're in Minnesota. there to the see a show and stay at a nice hotel. We're having a good time. And I'm thinking, really? I said, I don't care who you are. You just ran up the stairs past my lady because she was moving slow. Instead of you saying, excuse me or sorry for bumping her, you just kept going. And he put on this show. When the security guards heard that, they told him, we don't want you in here. You going out. Y'all two come on in. Um, and and that and that was our experience that night. But again, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't conscious that, you know, that MS affects your muscles and it affects, you know, her legs and how fast she could move and even how much she wanted to. And instead of her, being honest about it, I think she was just trying to push through because she didn't want to seem like she was disabled in any kind of way. And I think that she maybe thought that I would look at her differently if, yes. if I knew I, that. I can completely. Like even this, like she had a handicap sticker in her car. And for years she told me that it was her mom's and not telling me that, hey, this is mine. Like I, I get a handicap sticker because you know, because of my MS, because of my diagnosis. Not, not even that. I, I just thought she always had an extra one of her mom's, but it wasn't the truth. You know, and we, we had this discussion with Byron and he talked about his illness uh, because he's a recovering alcoholic. And um, he was saying that there are, there's guilt and shame that come with this whole, you know, being ill, this sickness. and 
that is probably what Dana was feeling. I, I know for sure, because I, I felt that. And I've, I hid myself as well with him and my relationship with him. And here I am thinking that everything is fine, but I'm, I'm the one ending up looking silly because he knows that there's more to the story. He knows that there's something else going on, but I'm not being honest. And with, I wasn't loving myself and I wasn't loving him, even though I thought that I was. And I thought I was protecting him and loving him even more by not opening up and not sharing. And that's so hurtful. It's almost like like what Courtney was saying in one of it our is. episodes uh, before that we, when we recorded with her, she was saying she felt a betrayal because Dana didn't even admit it to her sister. And and Dana, maybe you could speak more on that. I don't want to speak yeah. to you. Do, do you... No. Yeah. Wait, like I'm not here. I'm just like listening to y'all like talk about, no. Um, I, yeah, I'm kind of speechless, but do you have a clip, that clip of Courtney I do. talking about I do. Um, me, uh, trust? Yeah, I will okay. pull I'm play it. up that clip. Just sorry, you all just give me one second. Uh, okay. It will That's play. Okay. In five seconds, not even. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you all are obviously dealing with crazy of a disease as it is. And there's no way that anyone can just be balanced and handle it on their own. So, you know, well, for the people yeah. that are close to you, you just, I mean, for me, I just expect that there should be some level of venting and frustration and just trusting that I, you know, that you can trust me with your feelings, you know? Yeah. It's hard. Um, I, I'm just like very sad after hearing Amir say all these things, which I like, this is my life. This was our life. This is a past. These are things that I know, but you know, it's scary to, especially when you have like, your own preconceived ideas and notions about what it is to be somebody who has a disease, has an illness, has a disability. We have all of these like internalized gross stereotypes about people who are sick. And, you know, you judge yourself before you give anybody else a chance to judge you. Does that make sense? And whether or not that judgment would be, you know, good or bad or, you know, neutral, um, I think it's just kind of like self-protection. And you're also judging me. <laughs> yes. You're also oh, judging me without giving me right? the, without giving me a chance to be understanding, to be empathetic. You're saying that you wouldn't understand um, or you might look at me differently. And that's offensive because I'm not a fluff person. So to say, like, I'm not going to tell you because you might treat me different or leave me says that I'm kind of surface. I'm superficial. I'm fluff. I'm only around for the sunny days. But if it starts raining, I'm going to leave you and not even offer you any shelter. No umbrella. I ain't going to bear the storm with you because, again, I'm only around for the sunny days. And. That's you judging me. Yeah. Like saying he can't handle it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You didn't give him that opportunity. So selfish. But it that, really is. that's a part of, of the self-love and, and knowing, like we were saying, that you're enough. You, you don't, you, you don't, you didn't know that you were enough. You right. didn't know that. And you portrayed that you were, but he sees something different by you not expressing yourself and sharing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it's not like I would have said in my mind, she's intelligent and attractive, but she has MS. Right. No. If anything, I would have said despite her having anything. She is still awesome, and that does not affect her. Again, just giving me the knowledge to know 
what you're dealing with and you are great despite whatever you're dealing with. But you wanted to create the illusion that I'm not dealing with anything. And again, this is the presentation that I want to give to you because you might think I'm not as attractive or as cool um, or as compatible if you find out that I'm dealing with something. Yeah. Wow. This sort of reminds me of the question that we kind of started the conversation off with Byron last week. Like, is it really possible to genuinely and authentically receive love if you don't love yourself? You know? Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Amir? Can you really truly receive love if you don't truly love yourself? No. No, you can't. You can't when you're always hiding a part of who you are to how how Don started the conversation off to keep your mask on. Like you, you, yeah, you, you cannot truly love yourself and the life that you have or dream about living when you keep a part of yourself hidden, not just from the people that love you and that are close to you, but even from yourself. It's almost like if I don't talk about it, then it doesn't exist. And even the mm -hmm. moments when it does exist, I'm going to say it's something else. Right. Like I think about yes. those times. I think about there were so many times we spent over an hour, sometimes two hours in a room just talking to each other and looking at stuff on an iPad or doing work. And it was a perfect time to say, hey, you know what? I'm not really here for optic neuritis. This is what I'm here for. And at first I didn't tell you because I thought you might judge me or you might not be a supportive. But now that I see differently, but in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, especially to have had a relationship for years and for me to look at it as a relationship of substance. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, how long were you prepared to live this lie? And more importantly, why do you think I'm not capable of knowing the truth about who you are? Is it because you don't really have a full life plan for me and you? Do you think it's just mm -hmm. going to fade out and you won't ever have to tell me? And then we could have just shared those memories together and I could go on and leave again and the picture that you want me to leave with is the mask that you portray having never known the truth because how could i live with you forever and never know the truth uh and i think about how people they go and you're okay talking about it with the doctor because you feel like they're an expert but also subconsciously maybe you know that they get paid to care about you well then don't right the people that that love you and care about you, I, I don't have to be a specialist or get a salary to be invested in what you're going through. So yeah. again, to, to, to hear the news from the doctor and to know the truth about what you're dealing with and to leave that room and go tell your family something different says again, I don't trust y'all enough to help me with this. Only the experts can help me. You know, only I can, you know, go through this. Uh, or, or again, the, the other side is that I don't want people to see me as handicapped or disabled mm -hmm. um, or, you know, not my full mm -hmm. self. But um, that's one of my favorite um, um, terminologies. Uh, and I, I, I took it from the, the um, hip hop um, saying of being fly. And, mm -hmm. and what is fly? And fly to me is fully loving yourself. Because coming up in, you know, being born in the 70s and coming up in the 80s, being fly was being different and being cool and fully accepting who you were. Um, yeah. So um, it, it didn't matter, like, pretty much what you, where you came from in hip hop. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor. What mattered was... Like your your genuineness, your your creativity, your ability to break dance or rap or do graffiti, whatever it is you brought to the table. And that was the true definition of being fly, to be 
open and honest about who you are and to fully love yourself and not be ashamed and try to hide pieces of who you are. And I think about how me and Dana just culturally and socially talked about and debated about so many different things. Again, to have had a relationship for years and think of it as as a relationship of substance. This ain't no just physical attraction and we do social things. Like we travel together, we study together, we produce plays together. Um, we worked on different workshops and different things like that together. So this was a relationship to me that was the kind of relationship that you are honest enough to tell the person that you're with everything that you're going through, especially if it's something physical. Like I'm the kind of person, if I get a headache too long, I'm going to the doctor and I want her to come with me. And I want her to know everything the doctor said so she can keep me on track. Even if I fall off, she can say, hey, remember the doctor told you no sodas. I know you like them, but I was there. I want the people that are around me to know what I'm going through so they can best encourage and support me. I don't want to to keep it a secret and think that I'm in any way helping them by not telling them the truth or I'm not so concerned with saving face about trying to present this I got it all together. I'm always healthy and able to do everything kind of image. Um, Yeah. So if I, like I said, if I get a, if I get a headache, if I get a bump that lasts too long, it could be a pimple. I'm on my way to the emergency room (laughs) and I'm telling everybody. (laughs) But I I hear what you're saying, Amir. And from the outside looking in, because I've been in, in this situation with, with Byron and just with other loved ones, um, and speaking from an MS perspective, someone having MS, we when you have a diagnosis of this magnitude, it's almost as if the breath is taken out of you and then they throw it back and say, now figure out how to breathe. And you're like, wait, you just, you just took this yeah. from me. I, this is like natural and normal. And now you're telling me to figure out how to put it back in. I don't even know. I, I don't know how I'm going to how to survive with, with this diagnosis and all of the things that are happening. I don't know, like I've never experienced optic neuritis like, like uh, Dana, but I've experienced some other things that, you know, that happened with MS. And when, when that is taken away from you, you don't know how to digest it. You don't know how to even talk about it. You don't even know what's happening in your body to, Mm -hmm. to uh, formulate even some sort of intelligent sentence to say, this is what's happening to me and to present it to your loved one. Um, So, and you're scared, you're scared not only of telling somebody, and that's probably like the last thing on your mind, telling somebody you're just internally, you are so terrified of what is occurring. And then the what if thoughts that come and go, and then some stay you you don't you don't even want to talk about it yeah and so you just want to live like it's status quo and like everything's fine you know and keep up the the good face you know i was telling dana earlier that i had gone out to dinner with byron one night and um it was a really nice place and i had on a beautiful dress and at the time he was still a practicing attorney and you know i felt like i had to play a role so even though he knew I had MS and I, I disclosed early on, I still didn't want to want him to know that I was having issues with, with walking. And I had on these heels. I knew my ass should not have had on those heels, but I, but, <laughs> but I put them on anyway to try to look cute or be sexy or sexier. When in fact, he told me, don't, you don't have to do any of this. And I, but I didn't hear him and I didn't want to hear it. And it was like, no, but I still need to pretend. And so we have to, we have to pretend in order yeah. for, it's like a protection because we have been completely open and it's very difficult to be vulnerable, even with someone that we deeply, deeply care about um, because we haven't been in touch with ourselves to accept like, it. Right. I mean, just like two of the most important people to me, 
my sister and Amir. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, those are the people, you know, among the people who are my people. You know what I'm saying? Like the people who right, are there for me. They're my everything. And it's deep to, and, and, and again, you know, just thinking back to the episode with Courtney, like has nothing to do, and the same thing with Amir, nothing to do with me feeling like I can't trust you. It's just, I don't know. Like you're so, you don't right, want things to change. because your life has already changed. When you hear that diagnosis, your everything has changed. So right. you, want, you want everything that's normal or that looks normal to stay normal. So- why, why should I even tell you? Yeah. Because you're normal and, and you're my sense of, of what, what my life was prior to the diagnosis. So you're my sense of like normalcy and I'm holding on to that and I don't want it to change. And so we are, I think human beings are afraid of change, you know, uh, and so anything that yeah. looks different, we're going to run away from it or we're going to try to protect it and, or pretend. Um, but speaking yeah. to Amir because I've on his for, in defense of him I've been on that that side too where with and I'll speak again about Byron in our situation like there were times where I didn't know that he was dealing with what he was dealing with that he was an alcoholic so here are two people dealing with illnesses that weren't really sharing the most intimate parts and details of their lives and I was angry and I'm like you don't trust me enough you don't trust me enough to tell me like, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to go to Al-Anon meetings with you. I'm going to do that. And I'm sure that if you were to tell Amir how you were feeling, he would have gone to, to a support group meeting with you. He would have been at the neurologist's office with you and asking questions. Like he said, he would have done research, but we don't give each other yeah. that opportunity. And I think that's where communication and acceptance comes, comes into, um, into uh, existence here. Like we have to do that. You have to communicate and you have to yeah. accept that this is what's happened and this yeah. is what's happening. And you have to. Cause even thinking about it now in hindsight, of course, you know, I know that the intention was not malicious or to deceive me to a, a point because there was a part of of it in there and again I don't think it was malicious um, but there was a part in there that says I am willing to be kind of deceptive about who I am so even though it's not a flat-out lie it's not the total truth of who you are and in any relationship when you find out that somebody has however you want to word it been lying to you for years or hasn't told you the whole truth for years it's right, hurtful. because she's seeing it as, and and in my case, I'm seeing it as, oh, I'm protecting you. But you, I'm protecting right, myself, not. and it's like, oh no, exactly. You're not telling me who you are, and that's again, it's an omission of the truth. It's you again, putting on a mask or putting up a mirage, and there's actually something else going on. Yeah. But this is the picture you want to show me, and again, why am I? And of course, you know, looking at it now, I know that this is all the process of like, this is a self journey. This is, this is self love. This is self, you know, discovery, accountability. This is all work that she needed to do. But again, when, when you were talking about you and Byron, I think about having met Dana. And when me and Dana met, I was working at a high school as an educational advisor. And I was honest enough with her to tell her about my criminal past. Now, naturally, somebody working in education, that ain't something that people really share with anybody just because it's kind of taboo. It's like you have a felony and you're working in education or you've been to prison, but of course it wasn't anything violent or sexual, but it also wasn't anything that I was proud of. But I thought in, in, transparency and wanting to move forward and her knowing who I am I just can't let her think I'm this you know like you know great teacher and this cool guy and I've never had anything like happen in my life like hey this is something big that happened yeah and you you 
it will, it will probably come up. It's something that I'm dealing with. I'm working through. Um, and it, it is something that will, mm, it, it is something that will rear its head every once in a while. Cause it'll be something that I've been about, about a job that I know that I should have got that I didn't because of that. It'll be something of, about an interview where I got to go and explain the story over and over again every time I try to get another job or just those. So it wasn't anything that I was proud of, but in wanting to be honest and back to what you said, fully loving myself enough to say, hey, this is who I am and this is what I've been through. And I'm not I'm not bragging about it, but I'm not hiding myself from the world and especially from the people that I let come in my life because Again, it's it's almost like you give people a, a limit. Or I like you or I love you mm-hmm. enough to tell you this much, but not all of it. And it, again, the question mm-hmm. popped in my mind when it was over with, when do we get to the point where I'm loved or liked enough to know it all? So, um, yeah. I There's so many pieces to this. But this makes me sad. now we've come to the realization that you have to be honest, <laughs> you have to, and, and you are going to talk about it and yeah, you have revealed who you are. Part of us doing this podcast is telling the world, this is who we are because we hid for so long. Right. Decade, over a decade. Amir, I had MS. I was diagnosed in 2000. I never talked about it. I only talked about it with certain people. And when Dana and I first started talking about, you know, starting this myelin and melanin and everything, both she and I were in denial still, I think. And it didn't take us, or it it took us a little bit longer, I would say, maybe until like right at 2018. And then we launched in 2009. When did we launch? 2018. Yeah. No, 2018. So we started talking about it in 2017. And that's when we finally said, let's just do it. And we just, we revealed ourselves. So 16 years for you, Dana. And it's been, it was 18 years for me. Yeah. So it took that long to really talk about it. Steep. And it's, it's so sad thinking about the people that you hurt, your people. Thinking about how hurt Amir was and how important you know, it just hurts me hearing him, you know, say that, like, sort of like, I must have just looked at him as kind of like a person who was just going to be my life in my mm-hmm. life up to a certain point. And maybe mm-hmm. I never have to tell him because that's not how I felt at all. Um, and then, you know, thinking about Courtney, my sister, my best friend, like, not being honest with her and telling her and her having to find out in such like a jarring way. Like it's hurtful to think about the people that you hurt because you don't have that self-love. Yeah. Wow. This is a deep topic and I'm looking forward to the next episodes and yeah. And I love that you all were able to share this. Thank you so much, Amir. Really. This is, I, I mean, this has been cleansing for me and helpful. <laughs> no, you're yeah. welcome. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate it again. I'm, I'm just the kind of person that I'm, I'm a lover of life and love and experiences and making memories. But I'm also that kind of person that I've always known that life will present challenges. And I'm always that kind of person that when it comes, I want to be able to rise to the challenge. I'm not looking for an easy right. way out. It's like, okay, you know, all those beautiful moments, uh, we're good, but here's a tough one. And, and how do you go through this? It reminds me of my, my dad um, uh, talking about that uh, quote about Martin Luther King and how he explained to me, it's not where a man stands at, in times of comfort and convenience, but where he stands, you know, during times yeah. of conflict yes. and adversity. And, um, and that's that's what it was for me. Like, give me the chance to show you that that you do have support, that there is someone that's understanding that that won't judge you. And I think a lot of times uh, I relate this to 
my own experience with Dana in this situation. I also relate this to my experiences of having worked with youth. I did a lot of work in um, foster care and group homes and stuff like that and working with the young LGBT community. And a lot of times they would come and they would have a chip on their shoulder about getting to know people that didn't identify themselves as LGBT because they thought people were going to judge them. So they had this kind of standoffish kind of right. personality anyway. Um, and although Dana wasn't standoffish about it, her not being openly honest. And again, I, I just think about sometimes where she literally could have been in pain and maybe faked it and went out you know, and walked more than what she wanted to because she wanted to pretend like nothing was wrong so she could keep up with me and maybe, you know, feel like she would slow me down if she told me the truth or I might be embarrassed of going out with her or whatever. And yeah. um, again, denying the truth of who she is and what she's dealing with and how she's feeling because she wants to be seen in a different light or to try to make me think that I have quote unquote, a perfect person or somebody who in perfect health. And I didn't say that was a requirement. We got together. Like you always need to be in perfect health or I'm gone. (laughs) No, I I never said that. (laughs) And that's when, when you find your person, that's when you, we need to recognize that. Yeah. And we have to give them the opportunity to rise to the challenge. No matter how scary it is. Thank you so much for coming on today, Amir, and for sharing your experiences, even though they made me feel super sad and um, uncomfortable. Um, But I just need to thank you again for being such a light and a gift and a blessing and a source of support for me in my life still after all these years and after all of everything that we've been through um so thank you for being you thank you yeah you're welcome thank you so much amir it has been a pleasure speaking with you and hearing your perspective on uh this topic so um yeah thanks thanks again so where can people um find you online amir i am on instagram at a man's inner reflections and that's spelled out a underscore man's underscore inner underscore reflections um, and there I post uh, things about August Wilson theater um, hip-hop life um, just a kind of a bazaar of thoughts and images that that um, in some way kind of touched me um, and it's where I share some of my poetry at. So that's where you can find me at. And Amir is uh, my poet's name. It's the name of, of course, it's my name, but it's the name that I chose uh, to represent me in poetry because the acronyms are A Man's Inner Reflections, which is the same as my IG. But when I first started doing poetry, a lot of people were coming up with all these like really like really cool names and I wanted like a name but I didn't want to be like fake or fluff or like trying to mesmerize people with my title so I kept searching and then I just looked at my own name and I thought well that's what I offer the inner reflections my inner thoughts or feelings so A-M-I-R is a man's inner reflections and um, you're always super humble Amir but you have a chat book coming out soon Yes. Yes. I got a chat book coming out called Granddaddy's Soul and some of mine. It's a collection of my grandfather's poems and some of mine. Um, The beauty is in that is that I never had a chance to meet my grandfather. This was my mother's father. Um, He was a very talented guy. Um, I heard he was spoiled and uh, he ended up dying before I was born. Um, from cirrhosis of the liver because he was an alcoholic. And when my mom seen that I was serious about poetry, 
um, she ended up giving me some poems that she had held on for years and told me to do something with them. So when I thought, when I really got into poetry and started performing, I thought um, as a tribute to him, I would publish his work and mine since he never got a chance to do it. That's beautiful. So that's me paving way for those who kind of set the way before me or who inspired me. Um, so it's not just about me. So it's granddaddy's soul and some of mine. That is so powerful and I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had yes. had everything set for um, 420 uh, being National Poetry Month and um, it also being a high day <laughs> just in the terms of smoking. <laughs> but just the, just the height of being like aware and conscious and chill and cool and that that whole vibe that kind of comes along with the hippie vibe and because of the coronavirus of course you know we're not able to congregate and perform so i'm just figuring out creative ways of doing things online to still promote the book and perform would you mind ending the episode with you know a brief poem or or something and Maybe even um, you should go on Instagram live afterwards. We could get on there, <laughs> but we would love to hear <laughs> yeah, some. I mean, right? I hate to put you on the spot, but that's, it's only if you, if you are comfortable. Sure. I will share um, two short poems that come to mind. And one of them is untitled and just some thoughts and feelings that I was having one day. I thank God that I was righteously conceived before my sinful conception, before there was ever any clever deception on my daddy's part, who would later break my mother's heart. Although he thought he was a player, to me he could still sometimes be a mark. And you see, he was supposed to give me my start, but my start quickly turned out to be my finish because all my morals quickly diminished because it was all about cream. Yeah, that was my American dream. Cash rules everything around me, and if you stood in my way of it, I would clown thee. You see, to this money, I was true to it just like a religion, and I'll do whatever I had to do to get it. From playing the white man to the struggle, trying not to sell crack, and if I had to bust a brother, I preferred to do it my knuckles, because my main focus was game girls and merchandise, because to me, life was a hustle. You see, my old man told me, you came from the bottom, so why aren't you trying to get to the top? And you can't say you had enough until you had it all, so the hustle don't stop. Just get all you can get and try to live fat. But don't get on that dead end road trying to sell that crack. Now to you, that might sound like good information that he gave to me. Because essentially he's my OG. But they got to a point in my life where he couldn't tell me nothing. Even though he was my father. Because I found out that he too was getting And you see all my expectations and destinations. And everything that I was facing. Quickly started changing and rearranging. And it was safe to say that I was going insane in the brain. Because I wasn't thinking about change. You see my excuse was. I got the ghetto in my blood, so can't nobody judge. Not even God knows the reasons that my mind and mood change more than the seasons. You see, I desire to do and be right, but I found this is more of a spiritual than it is a mental or physical fight. So over the years, I've learned that I got to humble myself and stay in a constant state of prayer. Because when it's God in me, the devil can't stay there. But when I stray from God, the devil comes to my mind and he tries to tempt me with a life of crime. A lust for women, a desire for drugs, lots of money, and the demeanor of a thug. But I must proclaim and reaffirm that I'm a spiritual man, and I've been created in that image, and I must use that holy power as my scrimmage. I must cast out my own demons by the legions and claim my victory, just like Jesus. So that's my wow. untitled piece. Yeah, that's so and Wow. In honor of Bill Withers, I like to share whenever she leaves. And this song was inspired by Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Whenever she leaves, my sunshine absence changes the colors of the leaves. I feel a coolness in the breeze. I get chills and my body aches from my head to my knees. You see, my sunshine helps to purify my oxygen. So I really need her to breathe. Because she's my baby and my woman. And for her sun rays, I'll always come running because they've helped my soul to grow. Yeah. And I've heard that living in the shade is having life made, but her sunshine is all that I want to know. And I don't just need her sun to shine bright physically and sexually. 
I needed to be extra bright mentally, spiritually, and emotionally because any shade in her life will affect me because she's close to me. You see, we are spiritual twins, brother and sister with different mothers. She is her brother's keeper, and I watch over her like a mother. If I had to describe her as a day, I would this way. 77 degrees, humidity hot, but a cool lake breeze, clear blue skies, the birds chirping, the smell of fresh cut grass, and the sound of the wind blowing softly through the trees. And looking at her directly would bring any man to his knees. Because she shines so bright that she'll take your sight. Have you basking in blind love because she warms your life. She's my summer, fall, and spring. She's the reason that I dream. She is always in my heart. And the reason I value love more than I value things. Because what does it mean to have it all and lose your soulmate? It's like the sun leaving forever. It's a storm you can't take. The rain's coming down. You're getting soaked and there's no shelter. And you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know. Your life would have been warm if you just would have held her and kissed her and loved her and whispered sweet words into her ear and showed her with your actions that you were truly sincere. So remember, take her out. Spoil her. Treat her with respect whether she's right or wrong because this song can be true to life just like this poem. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And that's whenever she leaves. Inspired by the great Bill wow. Withers. Uh, yeah, he will be missed. And he added so much with what he gave us. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to share. No, thank you. That's thank beautiful. you so much. Thank you. And also, listeners, check out his Instagram. And you'll hear a clip of him uh, saying this poem um, with... Ain't no sunshine backing it. So anyway, yeah, just check out his Instagram. So anyway, thank you, Amir. Oh, thank y'all. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.